Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I'm your host Maggie, and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to the It's Growing Season podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 49. I cannot believe it has already been 49 episodes and as I'm recording this, it is actually the day before my one year podcast anniversary. So it's the 29th of September right now. This episode won't be up until around mid-October, but nevertheless i'm very excited and i'm very proud of myself for this one year journey that i've been on um yeah it's just been very fulfilling to think back and reflect on the past year and how much how much i've grown um but anyways in this episode i have a conversation with amy cross who is a mother speaker and educator who works as a youth and parent empowerment coach Amy works with kids and adults who struggle to love themselves or feel stuck in life by providing them with tools to stand up for themselves and to be their authentic selves. We speak about how parenting can influence a child's perception of self-worth and body image, the mindset work for cultivating confidence in youth, and how to empower parents to encourage their children to go after what lights them up. We also go into so many other juicy topics that I've definitely just gained so much insight from. This was such a beautiful conversation, and I'm very excited for all of you guys to hear Amy speak about what lights her up. Um, And yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would love if you could leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and you can find all of Amy's links in the show notes below. And yeah, without further ado, I'm not going to make this intro any longer, but I'm just, yeah, thinking about this past year, it's been, it's been amazing. And thank you all so much for supporting me in the past year. Uh, if you're an old listener, a new listener, welcome. Hope you, hope you enjoy. Um, and yeah, without further ado, let's dive right into the show. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Maggie, for having me. I'm very excited for our conversation today. Before we get started, I'd love if you could tell us a bit about yourself so the listeners can get to know you first. Absolutely. So I'm Amy Krause. I am a mom of two. Um, I'm a 20-year veteran teacher, and um, I am a youth empowerment speaker, motivational speaker, Um, program developer. And I go into schools, go into youth programs and fire the kids up about loving themselves because it's so needed. Um, After 20 years in education, that was something that I saw more than anything is kids just want to feel like being themselves is okay. Mm. Uh, So yeah, so I go in and um, as a mom too, um, I have two, I have almost 10 year old twins. So um, I see it in their social interactions and how they learn to communicate with their friends and um, slowly on social media um, and what a huge influence that has 
um, on our youth today? And how can we use that as a tool to empower e the children in our world um, as opposed to knocking them down? So it's all about love. It's all about kindness. Um, and my program, Kindness Starts With Me, is all about that. Um, I go in and I talk about how we stand up for, how you can stand up for yourself, how you can stand up for each other and just stand out and be your unique self because that's the best gift you can give the world. So that's a little bit about me. I love that. And I understand that you're also, you also work with parents, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm also a parent um, and youth coach. So I go in and if parents um, are just kind of struggling, um, I've been a single parent since my kids were born. So I get it. It's tough. It's not easy being a parent. If there are kids out there listening to this podcast, guess what, guys? It's not easy being a parent. Um, but it's also not easy being a kid. So for me, um, it's about giving parents tools that they can help utilize with their, along with their kids to help their children with their self-esteem, self-confidence, and at the same time, give themselves tools that they can feel more self-confident as a parent and as a human. Um, because a big part of it is um, being able to start a conversation. Uh, and you and I talked about this a little bit. It's just having that conversation with your parent or with your child to say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing the best that I can. What do you, what do you need? Um, I mean, how many times would, would we love as kids to hear, what do you need? How can I help you? Um, even at a college age level, wouldn't it be great if your parents just said, how can I help you? What do you need right now? Do you need me just to sit next to you for a minute and, or just give you a hug? That's what I can do. Um, th there is no manual that comes with being a parent. And so we're figuring out, but if we put, in put tools in place, um, and that comes along with, you know, um, you know, talking about self-affirmations, which are huge. Um, as adults, we use them so we can transition and use them for kids. Um, and it's about the language that we utilize when we do talk to children. Um, you know, instead of saying, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. I can't believe you're doing that. Maybe ask the question and say, can you tell me more about what you're doing as opposed to just con continuously jumping on? To, um, and you and I talked about this before that we put expectations on our kids. And those expectations have come from our parents. So it's a generational expectation that has been placed and it's just been passed down and passed down and passed down until we break the cycle. Um, and it may be an expectation of, I know for me personally, in my life, I was, I was brought up to believe that you go to school, you get a degree, you get a good job based on that degree, you start a family, and everything has the white picket fence and the dog in the yard. There is no strain from that. And then when that doesn't work out, you have in your mind said, well, I just disappointed my parents because I didn't live up to that expectation. So it's retraining our mindset. And as parents, we have to do that too, to not put those expectations on our kids and instead give our kids the opportunity to sparkle in whatever way works for them. If it's starting a podcast, if it's going off and not going to college, you know, but giving them those wings to fly, that's huge as parents. Mm. Yeah, just going back a little bit, how can you differentiate between like what, a kid wants versus what they need because a lot of the times they'll want something 
But as a parent, you probably, you know, you parents have more experience, like more lived experience. And they think that what they've gone through is what, you know, they should impose on their kids. But obviously some like a lot of the times parents are right. They want the best for their kids. But how do you differentiate between what a kid actually needs versus what they want? Well, I think it depends on, you know, first of all, it's going to depend on their age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a two-year-old is going to want everything under the sun, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whereas when your child is getting into those older years, you know, from my, in my experience as a parent, what I've done is now that my children have gotten a little bit older, there is that differentiating of, okay, well, is this a want? Is this something you want to work towards if it's a you know, a video game or it's, you know, an experience. Um, I talked to my kids about, well, let's talk about what experiences we want to have. Um, my children's birthday is coming up next month. And, you know, years ago it was, I want this for my birthday. I want this for my birthday. I want this. Well, now my daughter has said, I, I would like to be able to experience horseback riding, you know, so it's about the experience. And so for me, what I try to teach um, other parents is to look at what is what they're wanting something that is part of their what lights them up is it they want to enroll in an art class is it they want to be you know starting horseback riding lessons is it something that really excites them or is it just the next fad that is out there right now Mm -hmm. and really talk to them about that distinction is this something that when you do it you're going to be super excited about and you're going to want to continue to do it or is it just one of those things that your friend has it and you want it? Um, as opposed to, I always tell my kids that they are, the three things that I have always given them is they have always been fed, watered, and loved, just like a plant. Um, and when we give them those three tools, when we give them those three things, they can just blossom. So for me, making sure, one of the things that I talk to parents about is when your child is having a meltdown or having one of those emotional, highly ramped up moments, step back and go, okay, well, are my child's needs being met right now? Mm-hmm. Is my, has my child, is my child hungry? There is always a why behind whatever behavior, good or bad. And I don't like to use those words, but difficult moments, difficult behavior, you know, sparkling, happy behavior. There's always a why behind it. So when we look at, you know, our child, my daughter from the age of about four to seven had extremely difficult meltdowns on a regular basis, two to three hours in length. And I had to learn how to kind of maneuver through that. It started out with me saying, stop doing that. Why are you doing that? But as I started researching and I started talking to counselors and psychiatrists, it was like, let them have that moment let them have that emotional experience um, and think about what are they needing in that moment? Have they had a snack? Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Are they tired? Nine times out of 10, it's one of those basic needs needing to be met. Um, Or do they just need a hug? You know, is it just one of those things where they just need that physical connection for a minute? or they just need you for a minute, or they need nothing at all, but just to get that emotion out because they haven't had the opportunity to do it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, an opportunity for parents to really step back and go, hmm, did my child get what they needed in that moment? 
And if not, how can I facilitate that? How can I give them what they need in that moment? Whereas opposed to wanting, it's one of those things where it's a teaching moment. It's a teaching moment of saying, okay, I understand that you want that right now, but is that something that you're going to continue ongoing? It's going to be a one time that you want to try it. Um, you know, a prime example, my daughter um, wanted to do choir. She wanted to start choir with school. And I said, okay. I said, I am fine with that. If you want to try it, great. If it doesn't work, that's okay too. You know, that's an opportunity for growth. If they find it, they like it, they don't like it, you've given them that experience to try, fail, or try and grow. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's how I differentiate between the two parents. Mm. And I guess this applies more to younger kids, but what if, like, how can you tell whether um, what this child needs is a physical need or an emotional one, especially if they can't really express that? I feel like when you're a little bit older, you're more able to recognize kind of what you need at that moment. Mm. So, like, how how would you, how can you tell what a kid needs in that moment? And also what happens if that need is not met like how can that influence them in the short term and long term mm -hmm. absolutely so if you know for physical need you know like i said when my daughter kind of started this whole you know meltdown if you want to call it that um at around the age of four three four somewhere around there and immediately i will tell you that parents will go well why is she doing that to me well first of all she's not doing it to you there is a need that needs to be met that isn't being met, whatever it may be. So when your child is melting down or having an attitude or whatever it may be, they're not doing it to you. They're needing something that's not being met. And I would ask my, you know, I would, I used to track and it's hard to do as a parent, but I used to track when my child was having those emotional times and I would track how long it lasted um, and then I would just start offering when she finally got to the point, um, we would do, um, I started implementing uh, breath work with my child, which was huge, huge transition. We still do it today. We use it as adults. It's huge just to help them come down from that heightened state. Um, and we, I would go, okay, once we came down from that, I'm like, are you hungry? Literally ask her the questions. Are you hungry? Do you, would you like a snack? I mean, obviously you can't offer that when they're kicking and screaming, throwing things, you know, whatever it is. We want to put them in a safe space. We want to give them that space to expel those emotions, whatever that is. Um, and just start asking the questions. Would you like a snack? Is your, you know, at a young, young age, two, three, four, you know, is your tummy, tummy rumbling, you know, type of thing. Um, I always try to when my daughter started to come on, I was always trying to, you know, kind of be silly with her. That would help the emotional state kind of level out a little bit. And then when I go through the process, it's kind of like a checklist, you know, do, would you like a snack? Do, would you like a drink of water? You know, whatever it may be. And eventually getting down to the, okay, the basic needs are met. There is something more going on. Are you know, and I would just go through at a young age. Are you feeling, how do, you know, are you feeling a little sad right now? And really talking to your child about what those emotions mean is really important. You know, um, you know, we often say, oh, you know, your feelings are hurt. Well, what is that? Your child isn't really going to understand what that means at a very young age. Yeah. You know, but if you say it in a more of uh, a way of, you know, 
did it kind of put you in a bad mood? Did it make tears come down your face, you know, in ways that they can visually understand it or have them draw it out. I used to have my son do that. Uh, my son is on the creative side. So I knew that that would work for him because he didn't want to talk about it. So I was like, well, could you just draw me a picture? Maybe put a smile, put a, a face and then put if it's a sad face, a happy face, whatever. Um, draw me a picture of maybe what's making you sad right now or angry right now. Um, and that often would help them identify what, what it was. And then I could better relate to it and say, you know, we don't ever want to tell a child not to feel a certain way. But saying, I can see that you're real. I use this a lot. I can see that you're really upset about something right now. I even use it with my kids today. And I'll say, do you want to talk about it? Or do you want to maybe write it in your journal? Give your kids lots and lots of options to express it other than just having a conversation. Because especially as they get up into teenage years, they're not going to want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, they're going to want to handle it maybe in a different format. And that's okay. Um, you know, my daughter has started journaling. And I think that's phenomenal because it gets it all out. And then she's ready to be in a space where she's like, I'm okay now, you know? So th that's just a couple of things. And I think we want to fix it right away. That is just a parent's mentality. I've got to fix it. I've got to fix it. I've got to fix it. I would, I would encourage parents to take a breath, step back and just say, it's not about fixing it in that moment. It's about being present for your child in that moment. For whatever they're dealing with um you know my in my in my kids situation they come from a two-parent how you know they come from a two-home their father and i share time you know so that was a huge transition during that time when she was having those meltdowns so kind of process of elimination we were able to figure out what she was really struggling with and then we could deal with it accordingly in a positive way as opposed to telling her stop feeling that way Mm, yeah. Well, it's so amazing how your 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 children are already doing breath work and oh, yeah. journaling. I wonder how my childhood would change if I started <laughs> that earlier, because it's mm -hmm. so beneficial. Even like no matter what age you're at, and I, I'm sure it 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 helps you depending on what stage of your life you're in. Like it'll help you in a different way. Wow, that's just that's so amazing. It is, and it's it's so simple. It's such a simple tool. Um, and when I go in and I talk to, if I'm in a school talking to, you know, a group of kids, I do breath work with them wow. to actually show them, um, you know, there's box breathing that you can do. You can do a, a number of different ways. Um, and I also do visualizations with them, you know, um, to talk about just like walking yourself um, through a difficult moment. And I always talk about, you know, close your eyes and think of your happy place. What does that look like for you? How do you feel in that moment? Um, and I will tell um, kids, take three deep breaths and I'll do it with them. And immediately your cortisol levels are coming down. You're just, you're not as amped up. Your shoulders will start to relax. You'll just come down from it. And it's just huge. Even at young, young ages, um, you know, I've seen two-year-olds that are doing breath work at a young wow. age, just, just when they, you know, and when it becomes a habit, 
it's continuous. It will just continue on. Um, I started doing it with my children very young and I was like, wow, this really works. <laughs> you know, it really works. Um, and I can tell now my kids do it on their own when they start to feel a little overwhelmed. Um, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to sit there and say, well, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to, you know, how am I, how can I help you with this? Because they're starting to take that on themselves and it'll be something that they can continue on with. And it's something that in your job, if you're struggling, having a moment at your job, you can step away and just take a couple deep breaths or you can sit at your desk and just, you know, breathe in for four seconds and then hold it for four seconds and breathe out for four seconds. I mean, literally, you can do that a couple times. If you're in the classroom, you know, um, I talk with a lot. I have a lot of teacher friends. And I tell them, when you have a rough time, a rough day, just take that five minutes before you step back in the classroom and just take that time to breathe because it will make the rest of your day that much more successful. And you feel like you can concentrate more. You can focus on what you need to focus on more. Um, I used to do it before I would take a big test in college, you know, just to kind of prepare myself for it. Um, and it also gets your mind into a place where you kind of go, I've got this. Yeah, you know, I've got this. I, I, I'm, I'm calm. My anxiety is not up. I've got this. I can figure this out. And a lot of what I talk to kids about is you are the only person that is you in this world. Yep. There's nobody else like you in this world. So go out and do whatever that means for you in your life. You know, if it means being an amazing podcaster, if it means, you know, writing a book or just being, you know, a mom, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and when I get up and I talk to these kids, they just light up because they're like, oh my gosh, somebody's listening to like, somebody just wants me to be me. <laughs> uh, you know, that's great. Um, but unfortunately, we are in a society that focuses so much on what we see on social media, what we see in front of, you know, on the magazine covers. And it's our kids are living in a world that is really difficult for them to be themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, t I do talk a little bit about bullying. Um, a lot of schools kind of want to implement that in, you know, they have anti-bullying campaigns and things like that. Um, and that's why I talk about my program when I walk in. I talk about standing up, standing out, and being you. So it's standing up for yourself and others. You're standing, you're standing out, being your unique self, um, and just being you in a world where that's not often seen or heard. Um, and how do we do that successfully? Um, and I think it goes for adults, too because I think sometimes we get lost as, as adults trying to compete with the neighbor next door, or compete with somebody at work. Yeah. Um, and we, we forget what's important to us. We forget what's here in our heart that lights us up, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that's really important to get back to that, to get back to living from our heart instead of what we think we should do. Mm. No. Yeah. Speaking about our genuine self and, you know, wanting to help kids grow to become themselves and not someone else, would you say that um, kids who end up not feeling like they can be their genuine self, that was caused by an unmet need from their childhood? Or would you say that's also, you know, 
due to the influence of social media and all these other external influences? I think it's a combination, really. Um, And I can just, I can speak from my own experience. I was a child growing up. I had typical Midwestern middle-class family, you know, mom, dad, brothers, sisters. um, And I had absolutely no self-confidence in myself, Mm. nothing. Um, I was a child that was very introverted. I loved to read. I was a bookworm. I kind of kept to myself. I found it really hard to create um, opportunities to be social uh, because, again, the expectation had been put on me. You go to school to learn. You don't go to school to socialize. Mm. You go to school to learn, get good grades. The expectation was you'll have A's and B's on your report card. You'll get into a good college. Um, and you'll continue to be successful because you did so well in school. There wasn't any discussion of how to socially interact with other children. So I didn't have that skill. And I felt my self-confidence was so low. Um, I was a child that was overweight. Um, So when I looked in the mirror, I saw someone that didn't, wasn't deserving of friends. Um, I felt completely unworthy of any type of love or connection because I didn't look like what was, for me at my time, magazine covers. I wasn't the skinny model type like all of the other kids, girls in my class. And I was at the age of, I was probably eight, nine, somewhere in there. I started dieting. I mean, for an eight-year-old to start dieting to an extreme is scary. Um, it, it's extremely scary. And we have children now. Um, there was a study put out not too long ago that 40, 40 to 60% of elementary kids, girls, so that's ages 6 to 12, are concerned about their weight or becoming fat. 40 to 60%. Now, in my kids' school, there's about 120 kids. So you can imagine over half, the majority of the kids are actually girls, but 40 to 60% of them are worried about their weight before the age of 12. Wow. Um, so where does that come from? Well, what are we hearing? What are they hearing at home? And there's no blame to be put on this. It is just as a society, we have put it to where, well, this is what the next model should look like, or this is what you should be wearing for the upcoming season, or this is the ideal weight to be at. So for me growing up, I was like, well, I have to be at that ideal weight or nobody's going to like me, you know? And for an eight and a nine-year-old, that is huge. Social interaction is key to their existence at that point. You know, all they want to do is be accepted. So when I was that age, we didn't have the social media that we have now. So for me, it was how my friends saw me. Well, I assumed because I didn't look like them or I didn't have what they had, that they were not going to accept me. Um, I talk about, you know, the the main goal, especially at that age, is we just want to be accepted. And when we're not accepted, well, then we're going to be expelled from the community, so to speak. Um, you know, and now we add in social media 
and it becomes even more of, I would even say that 40 to 60% is probably even a little bit higher now, especially with the pandemic that has occurred. Yeah. Um, it has made it even more difficult for children to say, I'm okay being just who I am. And it's interesting because one of the first things that I say when I walk into um, an assembly, I will say, I'm gonna give you, if you walk away with nothing out of this assembly, it's this, not everybody is going to be your friend. And that's okay because they're missing out on amazing. That's okay that not everybody is your friend. However, you do need to be respectful of one another because yeah. that that is where you build connections. And while you may not be best friends with everybody in your entire class, the people that see you for you are the people that you want to keep in your lives. You know, so for me, that's a huge piece of getting kids to understand that concept of being authentic and to see that they are more than just what they see in the mirror. Yeah. It's way more than that. And it's interesting because I teach adults and I also teach kids. I give them a homework assignment, a challenge, if you will. And I'll say, this is what I want you to do for the next 30 days. I want you to do this at home. I want you to stand in front of the mirror completely naked. And most of the time it's the adults that go, are you crazy? And I want you to tell every part of you that you love it. Whatever that looks like for you. I love my blue eyes. I love, you know, my short arms. I love each and every part of yourself, you know, and that's really difficult for people to do. Yeah. Um, I started my own journey several years ago on this and I was like oh I can't do this and you and I encourage people to do it and stand there for four minutes set the timer on your phone whatever it is and do it for four minutes it's hard it's extremely difficult for us as a society to stand there completely naked and say I love each and every part of myself you know because but as we start to train ourselves and we start to see that this is just a shell this is just a shell. It is way more about what's here in our heart than it is about on the outer part of us. Now, I'm not telling everybody to go out and eat Doritos and, you know, eat, you know, ding-dongs all day long. No, there's a healthy, fine balance between that. Um, but we have got to take this part of society and rework it to where it becomes, let's embrace the beauty from within yeah, as opposed to just the beauty without. We're all beautiful in our own way. Oh. It, it makes, you know, I look at my own kids and I'm like, man, I created that. <laughs> you know, I created those two, oh. <laughs> you know, um, I create, I carry those two for nine months. Like this, that is like, as a parent, I guarantee you every single parent out there thinks that same thing. Like, wow, I carry these humans. Yeah, I deserve the extra stretch marks. I deserve the extra weight because you carried a human being in your, in, in your tummy for nine months and now you're raising this child. So let's raise them in a way that celebrates their true beauty. And it's on the inside, like celebrate. I always tell my daughter is extremely, what I used to call spirited. Um, she's very high energy. She knows everything. 
Um, she's extremely intelligent. I will say that. I will, you know, give her props for that. Um, she likes to have things a certain way. And that's just her personality. And I always tell her, I said, sweetheart, you are going to run a company someday. You are going to run your own company someday because you have all the ability right now. Because you know how you want it done. You are willing to create it. And you're willing not to give up. I mean, some people will say, well, she's just stubborn. And I'm like, yeah, she probably is. But that's okay because that's who she is. Yeah. She's going to be able to run her own company someday. She's a leader, you know, as opposed to I could be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're acting that way. You're being, a, you know, a spoiled brat. You know, I, there's no reason for that. There is just a shift in language, especially for parents. But we have to embrace their personality we have to embrace where they want to go in life. You know, for the longest time, my son used to say, I want to be a firefighter. I'm like, okay, he's not, he's not the typical school type. Whereas his twin sister is the completely typical school type. He's going to travel the world with a backpack, you know, and a flashlight and he will be perfectly happy in life. And that's okay. Um, you know, I, I've told my kids that if they choose to go to college, great. If they choose not to go to college, great. Let's figure out what you do want to do. Um, and that that is a huge mindset shift for me as a parent now. Because growing up in a family that was like, there is no option A and B. <laughs> There's only one option and that's to go to college. Yeah. You know, so again, it's breaking that, that um, it's breaking that cycle that we have to be able to give our kids options. and know that when we do that, we allow them independence. And that is scary as a parent <laughs> to want our kids to be independent, but it's necessary for growth and empowerment. Yeah. Wow. I absolutely love everything you just said. I can't, I couldn't stop smiling. I you <laughs> because I, I definitely want to become a mother in the future and I'm going to love my kids so much, but I want them to be able to love themselves too, like just as much, if not more than I love them. And it's just, you know, that when you were talking about how even elementary school kids are struggling with body image and just fear of weight gain, or just focusing so much on their outer appearance that absolutely breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally, on my podcast, I talk a lot about body image as well. And I kind of want to dive into, you know, talking about self-confidence how can you know how can parents or even kids support each other in cultivating confidence and stop you know kind of detaching their self-worth from their outer appearance and rather focusing on the heart and kind of what you can give to this world from from the inside mm -hmm. well it's it's interesting that you said that because I'm currently in the process of writing my first book for parents wow. and, and it's eight, eight simple tools to empower your children. Mm. And it literally talks about eight ways that you can encourage your kids. One of them is talking about encouraging your children to be independent. Um, and that is allowing them to maybe cook dinner, mm. um, pack their own lunch. Yeah. I mean, it's just those simple little things. Um, but when you're talking about body image, I mean, it is just, first of all, as parents, we have to be comfortable with our own body image. Yep. We, it starts with us. So if we're constantly saying to ourselves, oh my gosh, I look so fat in that dress. 
or I can't believe these jeans are too tight. Like I've just put on so much weight. I just feel ugly. And, you know, that's putting a message to your children. Your children are hearing everything you say. Yeah. As much as we try to hide it, they hear everything we say. And they hear when you're saying, I look fat in that dress, they're hearing, well, it matters what I look like in order to be loved. You know, so when we start to love ourselves as adults, we then can give the kids tools to say, you know what, stop focusing on what you look like. And I, I talk a little bit, I, in one of the chapters of the book, I talk about this, that the way in which when you focus so much on the outward appearance. So for example, if your child comes home with a test, they got an A on a test and you say, well, I'm so proud of you for getting an A on that test. Well, that sends a message to them saying, well, if I get anything less than an A, my parents are not going to be accepting of me. They're mm -hmm. not going to love me. Whereas if you had said about what led up to them getting that A, I am so proud of you for being determined and focused. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the language shift in that is just huge. Yeah. You have just empowered your children to say, okay, well, when I stay focused and determined, I can do anything. Yeah. As opposed to focusing on that simple letter grade or whatever it may be. Um, you know, when we talk about, I talk a lot, um, I've been on a journey, a health journey myself, just um, after I had my children, I was, just, I was not healthy. I was in a very dark place, um, dealing with a lot of just internal things, but also physically, um, I was at a point where I was extremely unhealthy and I knew I needed to do something because I wanted to be here with my kids forever, yeah. you know? So for me, I went on a health journey of just finding what works for me. Now, there's, no, there's nothing that says that you can't have that, you know, ice cream every once in a while. But for me, um, I was, when I, had, when I was pregnant with my children, I was diabetic. So I had to be very mindful of that. It runs in the family, so I didn't want any of that to happen. Um, and just through a journey of discovering what worked for me health-wise, um, I was able to lose about, I've lost about 115 pounds. And I always tell everybody I'm healthier and happier than I have ever been. And if my children can be healthy and happy, I've done my job as a parent because that's all any parent ever wants is for your children to be healthy and happy yeah. and healthy looks different for everybody. Healthy look, may look different for you as it does for me because we're all built differently. We're all, we, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. So let's embrace that. You know, someone that, you know, is seen as overweight is actually probably healthy. Look at what they're eating. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they've implemented in their life. Um, I mean, I work out almost, I work out roughly six to seven times a, a week. Do I do it to fit into the perfect pair of jeans? No, not anymore. I used to, as a child, be obsessed with the scale getting on the scale three to four times a day. And that plays with your mind. That really, really plays with your mind of, oh, I have to be a certain weight. I have to look a certain way, you know? And for children, um, roughly, especially girls, it is a huge factor in depression. It's a huge factor in anxiety. 
Um, at the age of 15, I was suicidal because I didn't look like everything else that I had seen or I didn't fit into what the norm was, what I thought in my head was acceptable to look like. Um, so for me, it, it, it took me getting to a point where I had to tell my parents, hey, I'm struggling. They were able to get me help and that's phenomenal. Some people don't have that option financially or whatever it may be. So we have to start our kids at a very young age saying, you know what, how often have you said to your kids or if your parents said to you, you know what, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, your children are beautiful. There is no doubt about it. But I would also encourage you to say, I am so proud of you for how hard you have been working towards your degree or how hard so the effort that you have been putting in to stay healthy, you know, um, as opposed to a lot of times it's just easy to say, you're so beautiful. I think you're so, you're so cute. Then we kind of put into their heads that it's all about the outward appearance. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, social media comes into play and that just is more difficult. There are ways that social media is extremely positive. Um, but our children need us as adults to say, this is a positive role model. Yeah. This probably is not the greatest example of how you can live your true authentic self. Um, and for me, it's conversation. Having an open line of communication with your children to say, you know what? I know that I'm struggling right now. And I can tell you from experience, when you say that as an adult and you say, you know what, honey, I'm having a really rough day right now. Can you just give me 10 minutes? Um, my kids are way more receptive of that than you going, hey, can you leave me alone for right now? Yeah. You know, but we're all going to have that. But when we show our children that we're growing just as much as they are and that we don't have all the answers, our children are more receptive to opening those lines of communications if they are struggling about body image. Um, I was talking to a group of middle schoolers uh, back in the spring and I had, there was probably about 120 of them, somewhere around there, 130. And two thirds of them were girls. And I said, okay, can I have 10 of you come up to the front of the room to volunteer to come up. And they, so 10 of them came up and I said, okay, can seven of you, or I'm sorry, can three of you sit down? And so they sat right where they were at. I say, okay, this is just an example, but seven out of 10 girls feel that they don't live up to expectations of, in school of how they see themselves, how they socially, they don't feel like they love, they don't feel like they are good enough to be a part of the group or they don't level up enough to be in their grades, whatever it is, seven out of 10. The reaction that I got from the adults, they were like, what? Like it was alarming. 
And anybody can, you know, you can look up all kinds of different facts and figures, but the numbers are scary yeah. and they're only going up, unfortunately. Um, so as a society, we need to say enough is enough. Let's start promoting health, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Let's promote that in a way that children can look and go, oh, okay. Well, I'm just as healthy as this person is, and as this person is, but we all look different. You know, someone can look at me and I, you know, I've had a multitude of people go, well, yeah, you're really healthy and, you know, you, you're plant-based and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I've also had to work on the emotional part too, because that is huge. Um, because when you, if you've got the physical part that you are trying to work on, it also involves your mental health as well. It's all connected. Yeah. And when I, what I had to do was I had to retrain my brain to say, you know what, connecting the, what I look, what I see in the mirror does not define how much I'm loved. does not define my worth of love. Yes. You know, and that is, that is probably one of the biggest things that as a society we need to start teaching children is that they are not defined by what they see in the mirror what they see in the mirror only enhances who they are mm. um you know and for me i i have a son and a daughter so i really try to do it for both of them because a lot of times people go oh well, it's just girls that feel that way and i'm like mm, no it's not i guarantee you boys um the numbers are not quite as high but they're they're coming up there quickly yeah. uh, that boys struggle with they want to be have the muscles and they want to be you know athletic and fit and if they don't look like whoever the, the latest sports figure is uh, if they're not working out five hours a day or whatever it may be especially in your middle of the high school kids they don't feel worthy um, and unfortunately our suicide rates are going up for children and that is a very scary, a lot of it comes back to, I, in my estimation, social um, and not feeling like they had a place to, for someone to hear them. Yeah. Um, I've had several, I have several very good friends who have lost children um, to, to, to um, suicide. And typically those children range anywhere from the age of 12 to 16. Oh. Um, and as a parent, you never want that to happen. And as a parent, you will automatically blame yourself, I would guess. Um, the friends that I have, that's immediately, that was the first thing they said. Well, what did I do wrong? How did I let this happen? We can't blame ourselves for that, but we can start younger, start putting these tools in place. This, you know, I talk a threefold of it's, it's a combination of the kids, the parents, and schools. Because our children spend more time at school than they do anywhere else, typically. So if we can get those three, three parts put together to where they're all on board to saying, you know what, we're going to focus on the inner you, the outer you will also blossom. Yeah. You know, so that, that's huge. Well, that's a huge part of what I do talk about. Wow. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I have one last question to end the podcast. But before that, 
if listeners could take away one lesson from our conversation today, what would you say that would be? Ooh, oh, just one. Um, probably that you are worthy of love yeah. just by being yourself. Don't let anybody ever tell you anything different. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. And for my last question of the podcast, this is something that I ask every guest that comes onto my show. Since my podcast is called It's Growing Season, I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons in their life. So I wanted to ask you, how would you define this specific season in your life? So right now, I would say I am in the season of healing. Uh, that's where I am at right now. Um, I am allowing myself to heal um, some past trauma that I chose not to deal with. So I'm in the process of letting myself be vulnerable and heal so that I can help other people heal. And that part of that is sharing my story. And part of that is saying it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm in a season of healing, uh, which has been huge. It has been a huge, huge part for especially this past month. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And for listeners who are curious to learn more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your content? Absolutely. So I'm all over um, Instagram. Uh, so they can go to my Instagram handle is um, Amy, the motivational mom. They can find me there on Instagram. They can also go to my website if they want more information. Um, I do private coaching for parents, for kids. I do small group coaching and then the speaking, motivational speaking. So they can go to kindnessstartswithme.square.site and they will find me there. Um, and then, I'm sorry, it's kindnessstartswithme at square.site. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new website. Um, they can go there as well. And that has all my information on there as well. The easiest place to get to me is through Instagram. Um, and then um, all of my information is on there in my LinkedIn bio. They can find, they can connect with me on there. So, Awesome. Amy, yeah. thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. It was so wonderful connecting with you and just learning so much about you and your story. And I'm very grateful for the work that you do. Awesome. Thank you, Maggie, so much. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave me a review and give me a follow. And you can also find me on my Instagram at mags.lee and at It's Growing Season, as well as my website, which is growwithmaggie.com. And you'll be able to find all of this in the show notes below. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen, and I hope to see you in a future episode. Bye, everybody.